Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Let's pray. Holy and righteous God, we stand before you this morning. Acknowledging who you are, Lord. Father, we want to declare from the bottom of our hearts that you deserve all honor and glory. You deserve our worship, Father. Regardless what our circumstances are, Lord. We may not feel like singing, but you still deserve worship. And so, Father, we stand before you this morning, Lord God, just humbling ourselves and asking for your forgiveness, Lord, for the many times that we have been unfaithful to you. Cleanse us, Father. Forgive us, Lord. And through the power of your Spirit, I pray that you will open our hearts, that you will open our minds as we learn from your word today. I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us and speak to us this morning. And that when we hear him speak, that we would be ready to receive and obey. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Before you sit down, why don't you say hello to someone? Just say, hey, good to see you at church. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, my name's Jonathan Anthony. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is such a privilege for me to share with you this morning. And I want to welcome as well our uh, online brothers and sisters who are joining us on live stream this morning. Now, can you believe it that today is the last Sunday of summer? One season over, just 36 degrees maybe coming, you know. 34 today, but then having said that, time just flies, isn't it? Like, wow, now we're approaching a different season, different season, and it's so good to be able to share with you this morning and conclude our series this month on Love Thy God. And this morning, I will be sharing on loving God with all our minds and with all our strength. And just by way of introduction to the book of Deuteronomy, it basically opens in chapter 1. It says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond Jordan. And if you read from chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you can actually see that Moses uh, recalled something of their history, including their experience in the wilderness. The years spent in the wilderness wandering because of their unfaithfulness to Yahweh. Moses also account in that book the defeat of two kings, King Sihon and Og. And he then recounted seeing the promised land from a distance. And in Deuteronomy 3.26 it says, But Yahweh was angry with me for your sakes and did not listen to me. In other words, Moses realized that he's been denied entry into the promised land by God. 
So because of this reason, Moses wanted to ensure that he has given enough instructions to the Israelites as to how they should live in that new land that the Lord has promised for them. When they enter the promised land, considering all the things that God has done for them. So now in chapter 6, he gives the Israelites a commandment that would become known to the Jews as the Shema. A commandment that summarizes the demands of the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments. You know, don't worship any other God or anything like that. So the Shema is a summary of the first two. And what, wanted, what Moses wanted to do is to ensure that the commands of the Lord that was carved on tablets of stone will now be carved on their hearts when they enter the land, that they will no longer be dependent on the commandment that was written on tablets of stone. Moses wanted to ensure that these commandments will be written on their hearts because this is what will motivate them to live in accordance to the will of God. So the word here in verse 6 is a Hebrew shema, which means to hear so as to do. This is actually a Jewish prayer that's being recorded. It is repeated even to this day by Jewish people during their morning prayer and evening prayer, as well as every worship gathering that they do. This is central confession of their faith. The first thing that Israelites must do in order for things to go well with them in that new land is to listen, is to do and to obey what Yahweh is asking them to do. But let me briefly share with you the difference between Hebrew thinking and Greek thinking. Hebrew thinking is collective, interrelated. Everything is interrelated. It is collective, which means that the Shema means to hear so as to do. Whereas Greek thinking is separate and fragmented. So to do, so to hear, so as to reason. Very philosophical approach to things and life. And I have a feeling that this is where we sometimes Christians, including myself, fail to understand what does the Lord require of us. Because rather than doing what God is asking us to do, we reason. We rationalize. We make excuses. We compare and we compromise. Greek thinking. Greek thinking understands that the body is separate. So what you do with the physical and material does not necessarily impact the spiritual. What you do on a Monday to Saturday does not affect Sunday. But Hebrew collective thinking understands that we are spiritual beings and what we do with our bodies affects and impacts the spiritual. Amen? So what you do on Monday to Saturday very much affects who you are and what you do on a Sunday because we're not just Sunday Christians. We're not called to be followers of Jesus only on a Sunday. We are called by Jesus to be followers of him seven days a week, Monday to Sunday. That's Hebrew collective thinking. That everything that we do is for the honor and glory of God. Never think that what you do last night, what you did last night, what you did last week doesn't impact the here and now as we gather. Because there is a spiritual significance. That's what God wants us to do. The New Testament is actually very clear on this, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Paul confronted the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20, where he said, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, and you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's Hebrew thinking. That's Hebrew concept that Paul wanted to address the, the believers in Corinth. So what does it mean when Moses addressed the Israelites to love God with all their minds and with all their strength? I've summarized it in six points. It is basically this command requires obedience, meaning a response to God's sovereignty and authority. You know that the greatest victory that you can leave your children and the legacy that you can leave your children is not a, a, a state championship trophy. The greatest legacy that you can give and leave to your children is a life marked with obedience. What this command summarizes as well, it, it requires faithfulness. He, God has shown his faithfulness, his power, and his miracle by doing great things to the people of Israel, and he requires faithfulness back from his people. This requires that the people will feel the Lord, not fear out of trembling that you will be judged and condemned. No, the kind of fear and trembling with reverence and awe because of who God is. That is the kind of response that God desires. And this command also requires that the people will serve him only and not other idols and not other gods. And the kind of serving that is out of love and not out of duty. Sometimes when we serve in the church, there is a danger that we are serving out of duty because we have to. No, we serve because we want to. That is the motivation, and that's a different motivation altogether. And the fifth that this command requires is that they will talk about them, taking the time to remember the miraculous deeds, the great things that Yahweh have done to his people, that they will talk about them, remind the next generation, tell the next generation. And actually, Jewish people are very good at that because to this day, it's still very much part of their practice. They may not go to synagogue all the time and may not be committed, but they know that they always practice the Passover. They always do that. It's been carried on. They practice that. And God wants, and Moses wants to ensure that they talk about it to their children and to the next generation so that it will go well with them in the land. It's also worth noting that Moses is delivering to the people the word that Yahweh has given him. The teachings that Moses gave is not basically based on his own opinion or understanding, but are God-given revelation to him. So therefore, it carried God's authority behind them. So it's not to be taken lightly. So in the light of our theme this morning, there are two key passages that will help us understand in Deuteronomy what it means to love God with all our mind and with all our strength. And the first passage is in Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 12. And I'd like to read it to you. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities, listen to this, you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. 
and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, Moses said, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do you know the tendency is out of, out of sight, out of mind? You know? God is silent. Oh, yes, you just forget it. Oh, someone's like, you don't, haven't met this person, seen this person for so long, they become out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Moses did not want that to happen to the people of Israel. So remember, once you've enjoyed all these things that you have not labored at all, because these are the benefits that the Yahweh has promised for you to enjoy, you did not do any of this. Be careful. Remember. It is so important that we do not forget the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the provision of God in our lives. The second passage is in chapter 8, verses 17 to 18. It said, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced these wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth in other translations, for it is he who gives you the strength to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. You know the two biggest lies that the enemy used in the garden is the lie of independence and the lie of self-sufficiency. The lie of independence that we can actually live and do life without God. That is a massive lie. And the second is thus the lie of self-sufficiency that we can live life on our own strength, on our own smartness, and our own ingenuity. That we can actually do that. That is a lie of self-sufficiency. How many of you have heard of the concept or the phrase, mind over matter? Yeah, you've heard that. It's actually not a new thing. Not a new thing in the health, uh, fitness uh, 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 space. But it actually, the phrase mind over matter first appeared in 1863 in the geological evidence of the antiquity of man by Sir Charles Lyell. And was first used to refer to the increasing status and evolutionary growth of the minds of animals and man throughout her Earth's history. They were kind of tracking that you can actually, just by using your mind, you can control pain. That by just using your mind, you can activate something and you can endure difficulties. That's the, the theory of mind over matter. But you see, in the spiritual sense, it does not work like that. Because God wants us to surrender our minds. God wants us that our minds will be guided and led by Him and the Holy Spirit. God wants us to present our whole being as an offering to Him. So there is a New Testament passage that will help us understand the significance of what it means to love God with all our mind and strength. Very familiar passage, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, and I will unpack it this morning. Let me read it to you. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. Paul in this passage was begging and urging the believers in Rome to consider the mercies and the goodness and the grace of God and in the light of that mercy and grace offer their bodies as a response, as an offering to the Lord. Okay? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the theme for this month. As a living sacrifice, as an offering, not of dead sacrifice, but a living, breathing sacrifice being presented to the Lord as an offering. Our whole being as a sacrifice to the Lord. And when we do this, Paul calls it an act of true and proper worship. But he gave us some wise advice as to how we do this. And I'd like to share with you four aspects from this passage that we need to be mindful of. The first one is this, that we need to be mindful of earthly distractions. Our text says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Now, how many of you would agree with me that the number of earthly things that can cause distraction are multi-level to the point that it is affecting even our children's attention span? The world's way of thinking, its ideologies, modern thinking is considered in our society as progressive and relevant and up-to-date with the times. Biblical thinking and worldview is considered antiquated, old-fashioned, and out of touch with the times. And it is outdated. Having the wisdom to understand the outward changing world we live in, in comparison to the inner unchanging truth of the gospel and the essence of Christ. Believers were exhorted not to continue to be like the changing fallen world and adapt into the way of thinking of that world. Moses told the Israelites that when you go into this prosperous land flowing with milk and honey and, uh, and you get satisfied, you're enjoying all the things that's on offer from this land, Moses was basically saying, be careful that you do not get sucked in by the glitz and glamour, so to speak. Because it is so easy for human person, the tendency to just get sucked in with what is around us. And Moses gave them a stern warning. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. What did Paul say in Colossians 3, 2? He said, set your minds on things above, not on things, earthly things, or not on things below. You know, one of the biggest distractions of the 21st century are our gadgets that are at our disposal. Phones, for example, is just one of them, impacting relationships, friendships, hindering physical human interaction and contact. A survey was conducted in 2022, just last year, shows that the average human attention span is only 8.25 seconds and has deteriorated from 2000 to 2015 in just 15 years. It deteriorated significantly. Humans have shorter attention span than a goldfish. <laughs> the goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Humans, 8.25. 
come on, we can do better than that. <laughs> Earthly distractions. You see, TV, endless choice of various streaming services, even house chores can be a distraction. I remember when the kids were in primary school and I used to drop them on my day off on a Monday. My day off has changed to Friday now. I would go there, drop the kids, and then I come back, and I have all this grandiose intention that I would sit down, have a, co a coffee, and spend time with the Lord. I come home, open the door, look at the sink, and there you go, the pile of dishes that's from the weekend even. Then I'll, say, I'll just do this really quick. And then I turn around and there's this massive pile of clean washing that Janelle didn't have the chance of putting away because we're all busy. So then I'll start folding that. Then I'll start vacuuming the house. Oh, it's time to shop because we're short of other things. Then I would go out and come back and put the shopping away. I look at the clock and it's 2.30. I was like, where's all my grand plan? Just out the window. And if we're not careful, even our chores with good intentions, even our children can be a distraction. And so we need to be intentional how to prioritize spending time with God. Janelle and I have been enjoying so much that be, be, at the start of each day, we would take the time to pray. And so instead of getting up at 6, we get up earlier, 5.30, 5.45. And instead of just praying in bed, we go, let's get up. So we get up. And we go out, sit outside, sit in a lounge room, and we pray. And that's been really so refreshing for us. We just need to carve time, prioritize, so that we don't get distracted. The second aspect that we need to be mindful of is not to live a life of disobedience. Living in disobedience. You see, it says here, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In the Old Testament, when people and the Israelites bring an offering to the Lord, it was actually an act of obedience to what God requires of them. Forgiveness of sins, you know, restitution or anything like that. All types of different sacrifices and offerings. But in the new covenant, we have been asked and required to offer not dead sacrifices, but living sacrifices. And that living sacrifice is your whole self. That living sacrifice is your whole body being presented to the Lord in obedience to Him. That is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Philippians 2.5, Paul admonished, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's as if like Paul is standing before the throne of God and say, God, have this mind of mine. This is not mine, this belongs to you. I want to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, the mind of Christ is towards his Father's will. To be obedient to his father's will. Towards the lost, towards the poor, the widow, the orphan, the destitute, strangers, aliens. Wanting to reconcile all of humanity back to his father. Jesus was obedient to that. Even to the point of death on the cross. I don't think any of us have been asked by the Lord to be obedient to the point of death on a cross. And yet, why is it that sometimes we find it very difficult to obey? You and I have not been asked to obey to the point of death on the cross. Jesus did it for us. 
The Israelites clearly demonstrated their disobedience towards God and towards Moses. If you remember the worship of the golden calf and offering sacrifices to that idol when Moses went to the mountains to spend time with God and to speak with God. And because of their disobedience, they end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Do you know that the distance between Egypt and Canaan, which is the promised land, did a little bit of reading, it's only between 847, 848 kilometers. So what's that? That's not even from here to Esperance. And it took them 848 kilometers, 40 years. What lesson can we learn from this experience? Could it be that your breakthrough and your promised land actually depends on the level of obedience to the Lord? Otherwise, you will end up useless time wandering in your own circumstances and in your life. Instead of cutting it short, the Lord's going to just, you're going to go in circles because of your disobedience. Your answer to prayer, your breakthrough, your promised land is on the other side. Of your obedience. That's what we can learn from this. Instead of wandering 40 years in the desert for a distance of 848 kilometers. The third aspect that we need to be mindful of is be discerning. Our text says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this word renewing is actually a present continuous tense. So, in other words, when you come to know Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior, Corinthians says, you, are, you have become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That is a one-off okay, incident. That is a one-off event in your life that you have become new. But the process of sanctification requires you to be going through a renewing process that is constant, regular, and ongoing. In other words, it's continuing in other words, we continually renew our minds. That's why Paul was saying, by the renewing of your minds, you can be transformed. You can only be transformed if you choose every single day that you would renew your mind on an ongoing basis. You don't stop. We can, none of us, even pastors can say, oh, we have arrived with our learning. Oh, we have arrived with knowing God. Oh, we have arrived. No one can say that. We are constantly on the journey. That's why it's called the lifelong journey of faith. That word renewing is a continuous process in our lives. And this comes from the Greek word kainos, meaning new in quality. Not chronos, where we get our, our, our watches in a chronological order of 1 to 12 chronos. Not new in terms of time, but new in terms of quality. That means that when your mind has been transformed, it means it has a new quality. It means your mind has a new perspective. It means that the way that you look at things are now coming from a different perspective. That is what it means. And so we need discernment from the Lord. You know, for the Jews, the sense of sight and hearing were basically the windows of the soul. And what one thinks about, one becomes. Didn't the Bible say, uh, whatever the man thinketh, so he is? So whatever you think, so you will become. And we need to be careful. And the way to do that and to apply carefulness in that is to be discerning what is going on around me. The circumstances that I am facing. The temptations that are around me. The challenges that are around me. As believers, 
We are to look at reality in a totally different way because our minds have been energized and renewed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. A new, redeemed, spirit-led mind results in a new lifestyle. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So now that minds have been opened, our minds have been opened, opened and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel, the Spirit will reveal truth in each one of us. Spiritual discernment. He's going to lead and guide our life choices. And Jesus was really particular about this in Matthew 7. He said, there's two paths. There's two ways. He said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. The Holy Spirit who lives in us will lead and guide us so that we will have the capacity to discern what is right, what is godly, and what is in accordance to the will of God. And the fourth aspect that we need to be mindful of is that we need to seek to do God's will. Our text says, test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, to test God's will is to look at life differently and ask what he wants us to do. How he would want, want us to respond. Testing is accomplished through a series of trials, seeking after what is good and acceptable use of our life and our purpose Similar to testing of a metal by putting through the fire, we are to explore and investigate and know God's will in our lives. And once we know, we will seek to do it. We will seek to follow it. We will seek to listen and follow him and do his will. The Greek word for this is dokimazo. Describes something or someone who's Authenticity has been tested and have shown to be genuine. You see, the Israelites have actually proven and tested the faithfulness, the power, and the miracle of God and the authority of God in their lives. They have experienced it firsthand. They have experienced the reliability of Yahweh and the trustworthiness of Yahweh. There's no further testing needed on God. What's needed is further testing on our part. Amen? And in order for us to be able to do God's will, we need to test and see, sift, filter, go through, process what is going on and understand what God's will is. Luke 19 verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you want a summary of the purpose of Jesus coming to earth, here is the verse. The Son of Man came for what? To seek and to save the lost. 
That was Jesus' ultimate purpose. And he wants to do his Father's will and fulfill it. And so he came to seek and to save the lost. To test and approve is to sift, to go through, to evaluate, to understand, to go deeper. And know his purpose and his will for his life. And Jesus did exactly that while he was on earth. Spending time with his Father. Knowing his Father's heart for the lost, for the people. And once he knew, he did it. He followed the will of the Father. Loving God with all our mind and with all our strength is really about our attitude towards God. And the challenge for all of us this morning is this. Are you willing? Are you prepared? Are you committed to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, in all that you are, we are to love him. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to us, that you will remind us, Lord, in the areas of our lives where we have failed you. And we ask for your forgiveness. And this morning, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts, we want to declare that we want to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us, that you will enable each one of us to be able to obey of that which you have required. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.